Well, my heart has already been encouraged and excited this morning just to fellowship, worship with you, uh, meet a few of you. And Lee and I are very much looking forward to our time together today, this morning, in the, the three services that we'll have, and then this evening uh, as we eat together and then share uh, some, uh, some more details regarding uh, our great God and what he is accomplishing in this world uh, through the gospel. Two phrases in the song that we just sang stand out to me. I appreciate Maureen sending me the, uh, the words of this song as, as I was looking uh, over what we would be singing. Here's what we sang, and I am assuming that we were singing this corporately as a commitment to our God, not just singing the words and enjoying the, the melody, but that this was an expression of our hearts to our God. And in singing that song, we said these two things. We said, we refuse to waste our lives. And we said, we lay down our lives for heaven's cause. And I can't help but wonder if today, as we focus on the world and uh, the, the mandate that has been entrusted to you and to me as God's representatives here in this world, I can't help but wonder if those two phrases are going to be challenged. If God is going to, by his spirit, reach down and begin to um, make us a little uncomfortable and cause us to reflect, do I really mean that? Do I really refuse to waste my life? And am I really prepared to lay down my life? Whatever that may look like. And I have uh, no idea uh, what that may look like in your case. But could it be that uh, God is going to stir us and make us a little uncomfortable with uh, our lives today? I'm expecting him to use his word to do that in my life. And I'm, I'm trusting that he does the same in your lives. As a veteran missionary, it's always tempting in an opportunity like this to regale audiences with stories from faraway places of wild adventures uh, from the jungles, and uh, I am going to fight that, um, that tendency this morning, and, and uh, by way of a promo, this evening we will get into more of the details of what it meant to plant a church in a primitive tribal location deep in the jungle of, of South America. So let me just say here, if, if you came this morning hoping to hear National Geographic level missionary stories, I'm sorry, that's not what we're doing this morning. But I, I trust as we look at scripture and we talk about the world and we talk about uh, what is eternally consequential in this life, that your hearts will be receptive and that you will be challenged and energized to invest your life for eternity. But just very quickly, by way of introduction, in October of 1978, Lee and I and our little 18-month-old baby, uh, baby daughter, Sherilyn, we left Canada and we moved to Paraguay, South America. We, we were serving with... Uh, 
Ethnos Canada, formerly New Tribes Mission of Canada. And I know as you look at the picture, of course, our daughter here has uh, grown up. She's now an adult and has changed. Lee and I pretty much are the same as we were 44 years ago, at least in our minds. I still think she's the most beautiful woman in the world and always will. Uh, little delusion there in terms of how we see ourselves, I think. After completing Spanish study in a little Paraguayan town of Concepcion, we moved into a very, very remote uh, and primitive tribal village in the Gran Chaco of Paraguay, which is the western region close to the Bolivian border. By that time, we had two children. And there we were, adjusting to life in a very unfamiliar and very uncomfortable context. And we were surrounded by people who had never once heard the good news of Jesus and who did not even have a concept of creator God. And one might think, one might assume that living in that kind of a context, uh, it would be virtually impossible not to have a clear vision uh, for the lost and a clear vision for the world and that we would be so focused because these people were there in our lives daily they were, they were dying without the gospel that, that we would, would have a very clear eternal perspective uh, each and every day that we serve there however what we found, and what I found personally, even though every day I was immersed in the village activities, and I was translating uh, Bible curriculum into the vernacular of the Manhui people, what I began to realize is that my vision for the world and my daily perspective on life uh, began to become minimized and temporal. I began to lose sight of the big picture that God sees for reaching the world with the good news of Jesus. And I became consumed with the stuff of just surviving every day in the jungle. One of the, one of the things that consumed me was seeking ways to escape the heat. And when I talk about heat, we're talking daily temperatures of 45, 47 degrees Celsius, uh, very little difference at nighttime, and you're just cooking alive day after day. And I found my mind always searching for ways that I could uh, bring that discomfort factor down just a little bit. We did not have electricity out there in the jungle. Our AC was not an option. Um, and, and I became quite fixated on how do I, how do I deal with this heat? And then we had the, the temporal needs of the people who were exceedingly poor and knew what it meant to go through periods of starvation, to not have enough water to drink, to have sicknesses for which they had no uh, remedies. And that was in our face day in and day out. And those things uh, became the temporal things that 
consumed our minds and our thinking. And the Lord began to expose those things that were going on in my heart to me. And when he did, I knew that I needed uh, something to remind me, something to jolt me out of my very short nearsightedness and my temporal thinking. So I took a little five by uh, three index card. And on that card, I wrote these words. Keep your vision global and your perspective eternal. And I took that little card and I put it right on the wall in front of my desk. So every day, the eight to 10 hours a day that I was spending translating uh, Bible material into the Manhui language, I would look up and I would see it. And it was like it was just flashing at me. Keep your vision global and your perspective eternal. And I needed that. Fast forward to the present. We're now living back in Canada. We're serving with Ethnos Canada. Our full-time ministry is caring for missionaries who are fatigued and worn out and discouraged and disillusioned. That's what we do full-time. We're, we're wanting to see them uh, restored and returned to health in order that they can continue to minister. But I find that living back here in Canada, the same pressures are, are there wanting to influence me to, to become very myopic in my vision and to forget that there's a world out there still waiting to hear the good news of Christ. And the stuff of, of life around me begins to eclipse those things that are eternal, of eternal value. That has been my struggle, my story, trying to maintain a global vision. I love the, the maps, or the, that, uh, the flags that represent uh, the world and nations out there. Uh, we need that reminder regularly. So now that I've shared my own struggle with that, I, I have two questions this morning that I want to to you for your consideration and obviously I don't know you you don't know me so I don't have any idea where you're at in terms of your vision for the world and what you're living for but I want to ask these questions I want to submit them to you and trust that God would take them and use them to accomplish his purposes the first question is this how's your vision this morning I've already been encouraged with the vision that I've sensed of this body of believers. First time in this church. And what I'm seeing is, I can tell you this, it's rare among churches here in Canada to have that level of, of vision for the world. That encourages me. So how is your vision? I think of that story in uh, the fourth chapter of John. And we're not going to go into the whole text there. I just want to pull one uh, one verse out of that passage there. But the, the context is that uh, the dis disciples had gone into town to get food. They came back to Jesus and they said, here, here, here's some food to eat. They were focused on the temporal needs uh, of the time. They were hungry, obviously, after ministering. And, uh, and Christ responded this, this way. He said, I, I have food that you don't know about. 
And then he said this. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. They did not get it at that time. But then he continues on to them. And obviously the disciples are having a bit of a, uh, a vision problem as well. And Christ said this. He said, uh, you know the saying that after you plant, there's four months until there's a harvest. And he said, but I say to you, wake up and look around. Of course, King James says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And I have found, even as a career missionary, that I regularly need God to remind me to lift up my eyes and look. To realize that the harvest is now. It's not four months from now. It's now. And to invest my life on this global team somehow to see the world reached with the good news of Jesus. And unless we see the world as God sees it, there will be little sense of urgency when it comes to missions and going and sending. Within the world of missions today, there is a sobering and alarming trend. And what I'm referring to is the rapidly diminishing number of professing believers here in Canada who are being mobilized by local churches as career missionaries to carry the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. This is a, a trend that we have watched over the last especially the last decade. Fewer and fewer and fewer, particularly young people, responding to the need to go. Not as short-term missionaries, but as career missionaries. And we'll talk more about why that's important. <clears throat> and as we examine the possible factors uh, with, with regards to why, why are we seeing this this steadily diminishing number of people. And let me give you an example. In our Missions Training Institute there in Ontario, um, we are set up to teach uh, missionaries uh, with regards to linguistics and language learning and cross-cultural communication and church planting in tribal contexts, unreached contexts. We're set up to do that for approximately... 25 to 35 students a year. This past fall, we had one Canadian person commit to being trained. That's alarming to me. And we're, we're asking the question, why? So here are two of the reasons that we are finding. Fewer young people are willing to leave home and go. That's a reality. Fewer people of a young age, at an age where they could actually invest enough time to learn the languages necessary and plant a church. And the second reason is that fewer churches are prepared to rally behind the few who are willing to go. So there may be those who respond to the call and say, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to by faith go. I don't know what it's going to look like. I know it's going to be challenging, but I'm, I'm willing to go. But they can't find a church or churches that are willing to say, if you're willing to go, we're willing to send. We're willing to mobilize you. 
Why is it that nearly 2,000 years since Christ left that mandate with the disciples, with the early church, to start there in Jerusalem and then go on to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Why is it that the job is yet unfinished? And could it be that it's connected to our myopic vision? That, yeah, we see what needs to happen here in Three Hills and maybe the surrounding area, but in terms of the proclamation of the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth, we've lost sight of that. I love the way that uh, our, probably our most familiar verse that we've ever learned states it. It says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God's vision is never any smaller than the, the global need for salvation. And he told the disciples, he said, go into all the world. Don't be satisfied to just minister here locally and preach the gospel here locally. Go into all the world. Could it be that we become so focused on life immediately around us and the needs that are so prevalent right here that, that we find it difficult to lift up and, and look beyond that? The second question I want to ask, the first one was, how's your vision? Do you see the world? Do you have a heart for the world to hear the good news of Jesus? The second question is, what are you living for? The reality is, is every last one of us in this room are living for something. We have priorities. We have things that are front and center in our lives that that we're giving ourselves to in this one brief earthly opportunity that we have. We have dreams, we have life goals, we have pursuits, and none of those are inherently wrong. I'm not suggesting that. But as we look at those goals and objectives, can we somehow connect the dots between those things that are important to us and what's most important to God. And that is that men and women and children around the world hear the good news and the possibility of reconciliation with their creator through Christ. Can you connect the dots between those things that are most important to you and what's most important to God? I believe, as we were singing in, in the song, we refuse to waste our lives. The definition of a wasted life would be one that was lived entirely for the temporal stuff of this world. That would be a waste. So as you think about things like family, I would ask parents, are you instilling a global vision in your children? As you raise your family, are you connecting the dots between raising your family and reaching the world? That's your responsibility as a parent. And I understand that that may mean 
that your, your children catch a vision and at some point in time leave. I understand that that's a risk in casting vision to your children. I'm a second generation missionary kid. Our kids planted a church among tribal people in Paraguay and we have grandchildren that are in training right now, fourth generation, who want to give their lives to spread the gospel to the ends of the world. Of the world. We know what it means to say goodbye to family members that we love for the sake of the gospel. It's not easy, but it is eternally worth it. Your education. Some of the young people here may be in that phase of life. How does your education path that you're, you're on, how does it prepare you for involvement in reaching the world? Your career choices. Can you connect the dots between those careers that you're, you're choosing and somehow contributing to the gospel reaching the ends of the earth? Your finances. What drives your financial goals? And your involvement here in this local body of believers, in this church, how involved and invested are you in the global outreach of this church? We've been challenged this morning with some opportunities. How involved are you? Or is this a church where you come to enjoy the fellowship, enjoy the social interaction, to be uplifted on a, on a weekly basis, but your contribution to this body is minimal? That's, that's something that you have to evaluate before God. I have no idea uh, where you're at on that. These are all questions that we have to ask. And all I'm, all I'm suggesting this morning is that as you evaluate your life, make sure that you can clearly connect the dots between all these different facets and areas of your life and what God is wanting to accomplish worldwide. If you can't connect the dots, I encourage you to reevaluate some of your priorities. When Paul wrote to Timothy in the second letter he sent to him, he said this. He said, Demas, and this was one of Paul's ministry partners for a time. He said this, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. What a legacy. Demas, the man who loved this present world. I sure don't want that on my tombstone, if I ever have a tombstone. I don't want that to be my legacy. Pete, man, did he ever love this world. That would be the definition of having a temporal perspective to love this world. Christ told the disciples, he admonished them and said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's the difference between temporal and eternal. He said, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt, they do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The things that you consider most precious to you, that's where your focus will be. And I, I believe there's a greater application than, than just the material things here. 
uh, I believe we're not just talking about properties and houses and cars and boats. And I don't even know if you have boats out here in the prairie. Um, but but the, the, the tangible stuff of this, of this world, I'm not just talking about that. Anything temporal, which would keep me from investing my life to reach the world, would be considered a treasure that I am storing up here on earth. And it could be things like my own personal security, making sure that, that I'm secure in this world. Pleasure. Success by the world standards. Kids. Grandkids. They can all become those treasures that we're storing up here on earth that really deprive us of the opportunity to invest our lives in things which have eternal consequence. I was uh, excited to go to this church's website and find this phrase. It says, In obedience to Christ's commission, we are to make disciples among all people, always bearing witness to the gospel in word and deed. I love that. It's succinct. It's accurate. It's pertinent for each one of us. And to complete this great commission, we, the church, the body of Christ, we will need to see a significant wave of younger people who step up and say, I'll go. And so I would talk to the younger people here today, and the reason I say younger is because it takes a significant chunk of time and energy and life to learn the languages necessary, to effectively teach the Word of God, to disciple men and women who have come to faith, and to see a church planted and established that has the potential of reproducing itself in other places. So to the young people, I would just ask the question, are you willing to go and trust God for whatever that'll look like? And to the rest of us who are maybe not so young, are you willing to send? If you have young people who are willing to buy faith, say, you know what? It terrifies me, the thought of leaving Canada and family and security and going to some place unfamiliar to me and, and investing my life in things I don't even really understand at this point, but I'm willing to go. I'm feeling God nudging me out of the, out of the nest. Will you send them and make it possible for them to go? The saddest scenario that I see is young people who respond to God's nudging. They say, we're willing to go. They go through four years of training, and they're equipped to go and present Christ cross-culturally in tribal contexts, and they end up not going because they can't get people behind them. How sad is that? So I'm asking you, if young people of this body Say, I'm willing to go. Are you willing 
to send. So my closing remarks to you this morning would be just another reminder to the entire fellowship to keep your vision global, keep focused on the world, and in your daily lives, keep your perspective eternal. Connect the dots between what's most important to you and this great job entrusted to us of proclaiming Christ to the nations. Let's pray. Father God, we are instructed to pray to the Lord of Harvest that he would send forth laborers into the field. And we've been reminded, even this morning, Father, that there is a harvest that is ready right now. And that that harvest requires laborers, and the laborers truly are few. So we ask you, Almighty God, to, by your Spirit, nudge, prompt, and do whatever you need to do to push out those folks that you intend to be your ambassadors to the unreached people groups of this world. And Father, if there are individuals, even in this body of believers, who you would like to send somewhere else to introduce people to your dear son Jesus, I just ask that you would accomplish that. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, just the, the evident commitment of this body of your, your children to focus on missions and focus on the proclamation of the good news of Jesus. Lord, encourage them. Keep that vision ever clear in their minds, I pray. And thank you that uh, one day we will stand before you representatives of every nation and tongue and tribe. And we will glorify you together. Thank you that you will build your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.